Hey, I'm Matt, and I'm the student pastor at Watson Baptist Church here in Watson, Louisiana. And I'm excited to be launching this podcast. It's mainly for our students who meet on Wednesday nights for our Wednesday Night Refreshed, where we focus on growing in our faith in Christ through fellowship, worship, and studying the Word together, which helps us be refreshed and ready to go back out into the world to live for Christ. But this podcast is also for you, whoever you happen to be. See, my passion is sharing the gospel with anybody. And last I checked, you are anybody. But not just anybody, you're somebody. Somebody awesome, by the way. So whether you are part of our student ministry at Watson Baptist Church or not, welcome to Wednesday Night Whenever. Today, we continue our series, Meeting with Jesus. I hope you've enjoyed this so far, you know, that that has made you think about your own meeting with Jesus, or at least it's helped you understand that an encounter with Christ is life-altering. It's life-changing. You will walk away changed by that encounter. So far, we've looked at two instances in Scripture where lives were changed after meeting Jesus. I encourage you, by the way, to go back and listen to the first couple of episodes so you can catch up. Well, first we saw Jesus calling his first disciples. And we saw Simon Peter come to the knowledge of who Jesus was, that he was holy and sovereign, that he was God-made flesh, and we saw him truly know and understand his own sinful heart in an instant. And he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, To go away from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. You know, he, he had totally written himself off, told himself that he was broken, no good, not worthy of being close to Jesus. Oh, how many today think that exact same thing? God can't use me. God can't save me. Not after, you know, who I am or, or what I've done. But we see Jesus say, hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishers of people. And then later, you know, Simon, who, who goes by Peter, signaling this this new life that he has as a follower of his, right? A life that is now changed. And then last time, we saw a man made whole again, physically and spiritually. A man that has his sins forgiven because of the faith of his friends. His friends did everything possible to get him in front of Jesus. He was paralyzed, and so they tried to carry carry him in through the front door. But it was so packed with people that they couldn't get through. But because they had this faith, right? They had the faith that Jesus could heal their broken friend. They dug their way through the roof so that they could lower their friend down so that he could get face to face with with Jesus. And because of their faith, Jesus saw the man broken and lying on the mat. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. He He gives this broken man a new name, a new identity. No more is he seen as a burden, as broken, but now he is seen as son. And then to to further prove that he is God's son, Jesus goes a step further and he heals this man's body and he makes him fully whole. He tells him to get up, to pick up your mat, and to go home. And he does that to the amazement of everybody there. And so we've already we've seen lives transformed by coming into contact with the God man Jesus. 
new identities being given. And He gives us new identities as well. When we come to know Him personally, when we, like Simon, when we acknowledge Him as Lord and we drop who we are, everything that we are to follow Him, leaving our old lives behind. And that's really what we're going to look at now and see today just as we dive into another encounter with Jesus. Remember, we saw last, last time Jesus, you know, He could sense and, 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 and He knew the hearts of those who were packed into that house. And after forgiving the broken man of his sins, the scribes who were there among the crowd, they questioned and they mocked Jesus, saying, hey, who does this guy think he is? God? You know, only God can save somebody from sin. And Jesus says, oh yeah, you know, what's harder, right? Saying your sins are forgiven or healing this man completely and making him able to walk again. And then, right, he does just that. And the man gets up, he walks out in front of everybody, so these scribes, they saw firsthand the power of God at work through Jesus. They saw firsthand His power, His authority, and His compa- compassion for, for people. And sadly, even though these teachers of the law, they witnessed these things, you know, they still harbored hatred and ill will toward the Son of God. You know, because He was a threat, right? He was a threat to their livelihood, to their control, to their comfort. And so they turned their backs on the one who, who they knew would come, right? You know, saying, hey, this couldn't possibly be the Savior, you know, God has foretold, right? He's just a guy, you know, not some powerful king. But their eyes, they were, they, they were just, they just weren't open. They weren't open to the truth. And they really didn't seek, seek out the truth. Except for one. There was a Pharisee who wanted to know more about this Jesus and what he had to say. And his name, is Nicodemus. Today, or tonight, whenever you happen to be listen, listening to this, hey, I don't, I don't know your life, but hey, I'm glad you're here. And so you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 1 through 20. We're going to examine the interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus right now. So, yeah, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. And while you're turning there, have you ever had a conversation with somebody that was just like so packed full of truth, on top of truth, on top of truth? Like you just walked away from that conversation like, wow. I learned so much. Has that ever happened to you? You know, we've started this thing this year called uh, Q&A Wednesdays in our student ministry where we've had several church members come and they sit down with myself and our students and just share about themselves, you know, how they grew up, and, and, and most importantly, their stories of how they met Jesus, you know, share their, their testimonies with us. And every Q&A Wednesday just leaves me going, Wow. That is so amazing. That's such a great story because the thing is, it's so authentic. And I, and I ask them, you know, what is some advice that they would give their younger selves? And it's always advice that isn't just applicable to, to our students, but to me, a 34, a 34-year-old guy. And, you know, and I walk away from our conversation with so much awe over just how much that I've learned. You know, I encourage you. 
by the way, to, to do something our culture around us really doesn't put a lot of stock into. And that's to take an hour of your life or an hour or so of your life and just stop and maybe go have coffee with a grandparent or somebody who's like 20, 30, 50 years your senior and just sit and, and, and ask them questions about themselves and, and learn from them. You know, they really have some amazing stories and great insight and we, have, we can just learn so much from them. Speaking of leaving the conversations in awe, here in our passage today, Nicodemus would leave his conversation with a deeper knowledge and understanding of God and, and who he is. Read along with me now in John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Let's, let's pump the brakes there for a minute. So right off the bat, we see Nicodemus, and we know, we know some things about him and kind of who he is. So he is from the Pharisees, meaning that he's a teacher of the law, and he is a ruler of the Jews, meaning that he had quite a bit of authority, and he was a, he was a pretty smart guy. He was the, the head teacher of Israel. He had all the knowledge when it came to spiritual things. So Nicodemus was this vastly intelligent guy for his time, and he had authority. And this, this really smart guy full of all this head knowledge about God, you know, see, he, he knows all about God, right? He studied Scripture his whole life. He studied the Law of Moses, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you know, and he, he knew it all like the back of his hand. But Jesus and his teachings, his parables, what he spoke of, it didn't quite compute with the brilliant Nicodemus. Question. If you were like the smartest person of your time in a particular field of study, how would you feel going to somebody else in your field of study and asking a question to something that you didn't quite understand? I know for myself, I would, I would feel a little embarrassed. You know, like, like, I, like I need everyone else, uh, you know, to, to not be around when I go to ask this question. And that's what we see here. Nicodemus, he goes to Jesus in secret at night. He waits till, till night to go to Jesus to ask him his question because he's this smart guy who's supposed to know it all, supposed to have all the answers. What would happen if he is seen asking Jesus a question regarding the spiritual things? He would lose all credibility. So Nicodemus, he goes to Jesus at night, and he addresses him as rabbi, meaning teacher. And he kind of beats around the bush a bit. He's like, hey, we all know you're this teacher and that you were sent by God. You know, nobody, nobody but God could, could do these mirac miraculous things that you have done. And so we know God has to be with you. So Nicodemus, rabbi of rabbis, recognizes Jesus as two things. Number one, as that, as, as, as a rabbi, as teacher. You know, one of the many Jewish interpreters of the law who, who gathered disciples and, you know, and performed authenticating signs. And then number two, Nicodemus also acknowledged that, that Jesus came from God, responding to Jesus' mighty works. And what this was, it, it was complimentary. You know, in that time, rabbis liked to hear how smart they were, how good they were. You know, they basically lived for themselves. They lived to make themselves known. And so they fed off compliments, which Jesus was pretty critical of. 
He was critical of those who lived to accept compliments instead of serve. He knew this was a respectful form of addressing him here from Nicodemus. He, like we've seen already, knew the heart of Nicodemus here. And, and I love this. Nicodemus doesn't even get to ask his own question because Jesus already knows what he's going to ask and he answers him before he asks it here. So we have, we, we have this address by Nicodemus and now we see the answer to the unseen, unknown question. Verse 3 says, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. So we see by the answer Jesus gives what Nicodemus' question is. And it's, it's one that many people have today. It's a question that many have tried to answer and, and given answers to, but have sorely missed the mark. And it's the question of, what does it take to get to heaven? It's a question that many wrestle with and try to find answers to. It's one of those questions where you just, you just want that simple answer. Oh, just hey, just be a good person, right? Just do good things. Do more good things than bad things. Like if you do four bad things in a day, just do five. Just do five good things and it'll, and it'll just write itself. Or hey, just do this or just go here or say these words and then you're set. But there is no checklist. There, there, there are no magic words. You know, there, there, there's, there's no check and checks and balances system that's going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. The only way to get to heaven is by being born again. And Jesus tells this to Nicodemus, which I'm sure it did astound him, right? You know, he answered the question that he hadn't even spoken aloud here. And but, but, but here's, you know, here's Jesus's answer. You know, that a new birth is required to see the kingdom of God. And he's like, what? Who? How does that even happen? Like physically, how does one be born again? Like, does your mom birth you a second time? And hey, you know, cut Nicodemus some slack a bit here, right? It, it's, it's kind of a confusing statement by Jesus. You know, that being born a second time is required for entry into the kingdom of God is something that can be misconstrued a bit. And Jesus, being the wonderful teacher and counselor that he was, he didn't want Nicodemus to go away from the conversation confused. You know, he wanted him, he wanted them to, to understand and fully know what it takes to enter into heaven, what being born again means. So what does Jesus mean here by being born again? Well, he, he lays it out there like we are, you know, like we're we're born once of the flesh, a normal birth into the world via our moms. You know, I'm not getting into any more detail about the birthing process. You're welcome. You can find another podcast for that. But Jesus describes the second birth as one of the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. And the new birth is symbolized via water you know, by, or by being baptized. You go into the water as one person, but you come out as a new creation. You know, this, kind, this, this new person with a new identity, a new label, 
labeled as son or daughter of the Most High King, a new citizen of God's kingdom. But the power isn't in the water. There's nothing special about the water. It's simply H2O, but it's the Spirit that does the work. And, and Jesus, He draws the comparison to the wind. Like, like the wind, the Holy Spirit moves and it impacts who it wants. And you can, and you can see its work. By the, by the lives that it impacts, but nobody has power over the Spirit but the Spirit. And that is something that the modern church needs to understand and realize as well. There are many churches here in the West who think they can, they can make the Spirit come upon people that by playing the right music or song could persuade and manipulate the Holy Spirit. That is simply not true. That is fake news, fake truth. Nobody has power over the Holy Spirit. And Jesus explains all this to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus still just couldn't fully grasp what Jesus was telling him, asking, how can these things be? And you've got to love Nicodemus' hunger and thirst here for answers. You know, it's good to question things and have questions regarding your faith. And, you know, in, in, in our student ministry, we've talked about that before. But it's who you go to answers for that's important. And here Nicodemus, he goes straight to the source of truth, the Word made flesh for answers. But he's still confused. Let's see Jesus' reply here in verse 10. He says, Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. So Jesus' reply here to Nicodemus, still being confused, is one born of, of loving discipline. He says, hey, you're a teacher of Israel, right? You, you're, you teach others about God in matters of the Holy Spirit, and yet you don't know these things? Because those who have experienced God know this new life. They have a testimony and share these things. But those who only think in terms of earthly things will never know it. And that's the case today. We tend to try to put God in this box and make Him human when He isn't. He's not like us. He's perfect. And we are far from perfect. And Jesus is trying to make that point by sharing that the only one who has already been in heaven, who who truly knows God and His ways is the one who has now come down to reveal God to mankind, the Son of Man. And that He, like Moses' snake in the wilderness, He knows His audience here. And that Nicodemus was familiar with the story of Moses, Moses holding up the snake, and all who looked at the snake would live after being bitten, just like the snake, the Son of Man, would have to be lifted up for all mankind. And everybody who looked to Him who believes in Him, may have eternal life, may enter into the kingdom of God one day. And then Jesus, He does this awesome thing, thing of explaining why. Why does the Son of God have to be lifted up? And everybody back then knew what lifted up meant, that it meant crucifixion. Jesus explains to Nicodemus the gospel, starting in verse 16. Everybody knows it. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through Him. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. So Jesus shares with Nicodemus here the gospel, the good news, explaining the reason why the Son has to be crucified. It's because of God's great love for the world, for mankind. He didn't send His Son into the world to judge it, but to save it. And those who believe in the Son will not be judged, but will have eternal life. But those who don't will face judgment. And Jesus continues and He shares about light and darkness. And this is an ever-present theme in John's Gospel, by the way. And He explains that light came into the world, but people rejected it and, and, and stayed lovers of the dark. And he ends his conversation with Nicodemus, verse 20, for everyone, who does not, for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. What a powerful ending we have to this conversation. After this, Jesus and his disciples, they move on teaching and baptizing And it doesn't really mention how Nicodemus responded to this encounter with Jesus directly. It doesn't say that he fell at at his feet and acknowledged him as Lord. But we do see Nicodemus again. After after Jesus is raised up and after he dies a cruel and painful death on the cross. After what Jesus told Nicodemus comes to pass and and we see him at Jesus' burial. In John chapter 19 verses 38 through 40. It says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. They took Jesus' body, wrapped it in linen cloths, with the fragrant spices, according to the burial custom of the Jews. So we see Joseph, a secret disciple of Jesus, a secret because he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders who fought to put Jesus to death, and he feared if they knew, he, you know, he would probably be put to death too. So Joseph is here preparing his own tomb for Jesus' body, and with him is Nicodemus. This shows us and proves to us that Nicodemus was changed by his encounter with Jesus. It doesn't outright say that he was a follower of Jesus, but this shows that he loved him enough to care for him after death. But he just witnessed what Jesus said would happen, which was so powerful. He entered into a conversation with Jesus with a whole lot of knowledge of God. He knew about God. He knew the scriptures from front to back, like the back of his hand, but he lacked the new life, and knowledge of what it meant to live for God. Jesus answered his question before he could even ask it, proving to be the Son of God. Then everything happened like he said it would, proving to Nicodemus even further that he he was who he said he was, that he came to die so that we could live. Nicodemus didn't just have the head knowledge anymore, but he was a lover of Christ. He had a love for Jesus so much that he wanted to respect him and be near to him after death. What about you right now? Maybe before you hit play, 
you knew a lot about God. Maybe even you even knew the gospel. But the Christian life is so much more than knowing. It's about doing. It's about living out your faith. In your heart, are you living for God? Or have you been living solely for yourself? Hey, you may know God, but do you follow Him? Do you have a personal relationship with Him that motivates you to live for Him daily? Maybe you don't know Him personally yet. That could change right now by you acknowledging your need for Him and what He did for you on the cross. Knowing that you broke God's law and the penalty for that is death. But Jesus took your penalty and paid it in full by dying on your behalf on the cross. And by turning from your sinful ways and turning to Christ, acknowledging Him as Savior and Lord of your life, you too can enter into the kingdom where you will be with God in heaven for eternity. So if you've never given your life to Christ, it can happen. It can happen right now. What is God calling you to do? Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this time that we get together. Thank you so much for your word and for what it teaches us, God, about how, how, we can, how interactions with you are, are just life-changing and life-altering. And God, just thank you for showing us that it doesn't just take head knowledge, but Father, it takes us giving, giving, it takes us giving, us, giving you our whole lives, giving everything that we are to you, Father. Sure, we can know about you. We can know all these things about you. But Father, it's more than that. It, it starts in the heart. So, are you Lord of our hearts? Are you Lord of our lives? God, I pray for the one listening to this. I pray, Father, that they know you. God, and that they live for you. But Father, I just pray, God, for motivation to continue doing that. But maybe maybe it needs to go deeper than that. Maybe maybe this the person listening to this isn't a believer of yours. Maybe they don't know you personally. So Father, I pray, God, that that can change today. By what I said earlier, by turning from sin and turning to you fully, acknowledging you as Lord and King. But God, in all things we love you, continue to just shape us, Father, to mold us into, into who you want us to be, God. And continue to help us learn through this, through this series, Father, just how important interactions with you are. That we need to constantly be, be interacting with you through prayer and through the reading of your word. But God, thank you so much, so much for your love for us. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, I want to, uh, once again, I want to shout out to Anchor, the app with the tools to help me bring this podcast to life. And I'm so excited to, to be launching it. Podcasting is one of those things I love to listen to. And so just being able to, to now host one and do one, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I just thank Anchor for, for giving me the tools to help do that. But I also want to thank you. Thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot that you would take time out of your, out of your busy days to, to listen and study the word with me right now. But you know what? Hey, I'm Matt, and I'll talk to you next Wednesday night. You know, whenever. <laughs>